Peace and love. This is Brother Fahim, and you are now tuned into the League of Logic podcast. You know the vibes. Peace, peace. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. <clears throat> Man, it's always a blessing to be able to come to you guys and speak and uh, try to offer up a little bit more knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, man. So, welcome on in. Y'all come on in. Relax your mind. Let your conscience be free. And get uh, get in tune with uh, the Brother Fahim. <laughs> like I always say, man, I'm, uh, I'm always in it trying to win. Um, you know, so here I am doing what I do best. And it's been so, so much to happen. It's been so much to uh, transpire in my absence. I think my last episode was on the 5th today. Here today is, what's today? 17th, so yeah, whoo. A good uh, good 12 days, man. And whoo, it's been so, so much. People been getting at me about different issues that uh, pertain or that they want to hear about, man. I'm always open for suggestions of topics that y'all want to hear. Just hit me up if you got my line. Hit me up, man, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll dig into it. Man, so... I think the elephant in the room for the black community and the national community alike is this whole uncomfortable truth that we're dealing with when it comes to Mr. Kyrie Irving and brother Kanye West, or yay, formerly known as Kanye West. Um, It seems to be a little bit of tension. It seems to be a little bit of pushback when it comes to those two brothers and from my perspective, which I'm going to get into, from my perspective, we're witnessing two different things that seem to be the same thing, right? So, yeah, I want to, um, I want to, um, start this episode out with a verse that one of my favorite, if not probably my favorite, he's definitely my top three MCs of all times, Brother J Electronica. <clears throat> um, he's on a remix with Common called The Kingdom. It's Common, Vince Staples, and Jay Electronic. He goes last, right? And he says something that I want to, uh, I think is relative to this podcast, this episode. He says, uh, I want y'all to go check that track out. But he says, um, This goes out to those that choose to use disrespectful views on original Jews. The chosen people of God getting slandered and abused in the streets and the news by the seed of Yakub. I think that is so, so befitting of what I'm getting ready to go into because uh, the chosen people of God, the original Jews, are under fire from all fronts, from ourselves, from within, from without, which is the powers that be. And uh, it's kind of uh, it's kind of disheartening. But, uh, but for that, I would like to call this episode Uncomfortable Truths because I, I feel like some people are going to be a little bit uncomfortable with what I have to say. So, so yeah. Um, so let's see. How did, how did we get to this, to, to where we are right now? Dave Chappelle was on Saturday Night Live. Whom Dave Chappelle always, I think he's the master at taking issues and, and really, you know, making a satire or, or a joke out of them very very serious um situation now you could say all comedians do that or can do that but there have been very few that have attacked it or engaged it i should say like dave Chappelle has uh nobody else has done it i think the closest person that i remember doing it like dave was probably paul mooney rest his soul paul was uh paul was probably a little bit more blunt and 
and uh, abrupt about his. But Dave is a little lighter. He's a little bit more digestible. And uh, but nonetheless, they're just as potent and just as to the point. So he did a monologue where he talked about Yay, and he said, "Man, Yay messed up so bad. Kyrie got in trouble." <laughs> Yeah, he said Kyrie got in trouble, um, and that's funny. I mean, it's not true. It's not true, but you know, you can see how. Okay, I see how he says that. So I think it started up. It started a few months back. Um, Kanye had expressed some dissatisfaction or some discomfort about his contracts that he was in, right? And he expressed that he wanted out. He did not. He was not uh, too geeked about the terms and he was tired of it and then coming to find out I was listening to who was it somebody was breaking down how much money Kanye's getting on each of these deals that he's in and I didn't know the exact numbers I can't tell you the exact numbers y'all got to look that up but he the person had mentioned Kanye not getting the lion's share right yeah he's he's partnered with these companies like Adidas and Wells Fargo um, well, not Wells Fargo, but Adidas and some more, some other sponsors uh, he had partnered with and they dropped him. But Adidas is the big one, right? But uh, this brother was saying, in fact, that when you actually, you know, investigate and look at Kanye's, um, his contract, you find out that Kanye was not getting what we thought he was getting. Now, Kanye is a, a mogul, he's a genius. You don't get to amass a billion dollars in these in this world without being a genius, right? Without having some form of financial awareness and wealth building capabilities. But you know, um, his contract was unsatisfactory, and so he spoke about it. So fast forward, the Drink Champs interview. I think was the one that everybody saw. Um, you know, Kanye expressed. You know how he was unhappy and he he made valid points on that right Kanye didn't really uh he didn't he didn't say anything that i saw that was you know off the wall except the george floyd thing right the george floyd statements were distasteful and kind of unnecessary and unwarranted because we we know that george floyd has been reported through the medical examiner of the court that he died of asphyxiation due to that knee in his throat right so there's no need to say that that was i didn't agree with that at all but a good bit of the other things that he was saying um about his wife you know and i talked about it in my episode with a uh, trigger warning what we dislike about kanye right a couple of those things but for the good of this podcast the one thing that he said that was alarming to the jewish community was he was getting ready to go defcon think three on the Jews and you know he also said I can make anti-semitic statements about Adidas and they still can't drop me well they end up dropping I read today though that there's a clause in his uh, contract that says he still has to he's still gonna get paid let me back up because you know they not only dropped him but they discontinued the Yeezy so <laughs> if you got some Yeezys and you want to sell them now is the time to do it but they dropped him and they said, listen, we're going to still release him a little bit later. They said, we're still going to release him. We're just going to release him under a different name and a different brand. They'll be Yeezys, but they won't be called Yeezys, right? Oh, um, okay. So 
And then, I mean, it just start compounding, right? You start seeing Adidas, you start seeing all these different, all these different uh, teams, not teams, all these different sponsors and endorsers, all these different people that he had partnerships with. They just begin to drop out and just say, hey, you know what? We don't, um, we don't want anything else to do with Kanye. You start seeing celebrities like Jamie Lee Curtis. She start making statements. Noriega comes on The Breakfast Club and he apologizes. I mean, everybody who's anybody has something to say about Kanye and his statements, right? Now, mind you, people who were offering a counter-narrative were saying, hey, listen, it was nothing wrong, you know, when he said slavery was a choice, nobody gave it. Nobody cared, right? That was cool. But as soon as he said something about the Jewish community, now everybody's in a uproar, right? So, simultaneously, while this is happening, Kyrie Irving posts up, uh, he just tweets out a post. He posts, he sends out a tweet, excuse me. This is Twitter, right? You have to watch the vernacular with these different platforms. He sends out a tweet. And the tweet just, you know, simply um, shows Hebrews to Negroes. And this is a documentary. It's like three hours long on the Amazon platform. And um, it basically, I, let me put say that the outstart. I have not seen it. I've read the, the premise. I've listened to, I think Robert Dalton is the author's name. I've listened to this brother and how he describes what, you know, the movie is dealing with. I've. I listen to people tell me about it. Um, and from what they're saying, you know, he's really going in depth dealing with, you know, black people being the original uh, Jews, right? He's really uh, going in depth with these things. So I assume it's like something like a hidden colors maybe, but it's much, much more thorough and much more detailed and researched. So that makes it a little bit more potent. Now, I listened to Peter Rosenberg talk to Lord Jamar. Lord Jamar has You Not A Mean podcast. It's Rod Diggin. It's my man named Godfrey. I'm sorry, y'all. Let me make a quick correction. Ronald Dalton is the brother's name. Not Robert Dalton. Ronald Dalton is his name. And it's a book, too. It's a book. It's an audible that you can get on Audible. You can buy the book. Or you can go to Amazon and watch. Now, if you watch on Amazon, quick, quick, uh, quick fun fact: it was just a couple months ago. It was like two ninety nine to rent and ten dollars to to buy. Now it's eleven ninety nine to rent and fifty dollars to buy. So go figure. But nonetheless, you know it. It seems to be Rosenberg and Lord Jamar. That's where I was. Rosenberg and Lord Jamar were discussing. You know, uh, Rosenberg is on uh, with Ebro. I forget the New York. I forget the New York station that he's on, but it's with Old Man Ebro. Um, and Rosenberg was talking to Lord Jamar. Lord Jamar, you tell Lord Jamar, you know, it's not that, it's not that the documentary says black people were the original Jews because we got black people that want to become Jews um, all day, every day. That's cool. It's that he downplayed the Holocaust. It's that he, you know, tried to uh, interject that or infer that or just implicate or even say that the Holocaust was not as heavy, it wasn't as number heavy as they always reported in history. Now, a brother I spoke with told me about it. He's seen it. I got to watch it. But he's seen it and he says, listen, 
what he does is he says, look, the Holocaust did happen, but the Holocaust was not as deep as what they try to make it out to be. They're always inflating the numbers with the Holocaust. That's the problem that maybe that they have. They don't like because whenever you talk about the Jewish people being killed, you know, they, they put this, this high number, but really the number wasn't that high. Okay, so, um, so yeah, so Kyrie Irving, you know, it becomes a real big uproar. You know, the Brooklyn Nets is the team he plays for. They suspend him. And then they say, listen, all these people come out against him. Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, uh, all these people, all these celebs, all these black entertainers and these black athletes, LeBron James, all these people are coming out saying things against Kyrie and, you know, and it just becomes an avalanche of BS. <sighs> and uh, it was super duper interesting and insightful though when I watched Kyrie's interview. What I really enjoyed about it was the poise that he displayed, man. It was like, go ahead, Kyrie. The poise that he displayed, it was immaculate. It was, it was, he was in his masculine divine. That's the best way I can put it. You know, he was in his God body, seriously, because, you know, he wasn't running from anything that they threw at him. And he was totally demolishing all questions, right? He was taking matter and bending it right in front of us with his mind. The way he was, you know, building, the way he was manifesting. It was, it was like, wow, this dude is really coming from a place of reflection, right? And introspection, which is beautiful. They asked him, are you anti-Semitic? And he, he echoed what Malcolm X said years earlier in the 60s. He said, how can I be anti-Semitic? If I know who I really am, I'm not anti-Semitic, right? He also questioned, you know, you guys are making such a big deal of this Jewish thing. Where were you when I was figuring out when I was nine years old that my people were oppressed, right? And that my people had been, uh, had been um, deprived of our names, our culture, our, our divinities, our deities, our gods. Where were you guys at? So he was really speaking from a, a, a very informed, a very cognizant, a very self-reflective and uh, introspective perspective. And I really, I really enjoyed it. And it also should have let people know, man, this dude is not out here trying to shoot or slander any group of people. And he said it. They said, well, you're going to apologize. I said, no, I'm not apologizing, man, because I didn't put the movie out. I just posted a, a poster of it. I didn't say anything. You know, I didn't. I advocate for it. I simply put it out. I, I didn't make the, the documentary, so why should I be responsible for the message that it sends, right? <laughs> you know, and simultaneously, no one's saying anything to Jeff Bezos. I think they have a petition now to try to get him to remove uh, Hebrews Negro off of the platform or, or, or Amazon, but there's been no real backlash. There's no cancel Jeff Bezos movement. <laughs> You know, you hadn't seen that, so, um, so yeah, that's a little bit of, that's a little bit of, you know, backstory to how we got here. Now, I want to read something to y'all. It's a, it's a book called Blacks Before America by Mark Hyman. I might have read this to y'all before. I read this to my children quite often, like when before they get into bed, I try to switch up what it is they read. They read some financial literacy things before bed. They read some books. T. Jane, T. Dick Run, you know, they, they read those books too, but uh, we read also, 
books that are empowering on different levels, culturally and financially. Uh, and this is one of those cultural books that I read to them every now and again because I understand in the public school, the only people that are that look like them that they really show them about are high class or high visibility, high access workers, i.e. entertainers and athletes. But this book deals with Blacks Before America. That's the name of it, Blacks Before America. And I'm going to read this, this whole section. I want y'all to, um, to listen to a couple of the... Here are a couple of the chapters, right? You got part one, King of, the Kingdom of Mali, uh, Zenobia, Queen of the East, The Smelting of Iron, Black Centuries of Christianity, Black Africans in Gold, the University of St. Croix, Imhotep, the, the Black Egyptian Physician, An African Voyage to America, African Traders, Part Two, Before the Dawn of History, Akhenaten, excuse me, Believe in One God, Tut, Black Boy King, Akeda, Queen of Sheba, um, Herodotus reported on Blacks, Kush, Ethiopia, a world power. Part Three, A Black General Died for Christ, Two Blacks Fought Over Rome. These are all titles to chapters. Black Seas of Murder, White Slaves, Black Masters. Again, black, white slaves, black masters, Africans saved the Byzantine. Now, all of those are just, I want to give you all that example. These are just chapters that you can read or that I read. I try to, you know, familiarize with my children. But the chapter that really, that I wanted to, to, to read to y'all today was this chapter, uh, well, page 22, the, the Falashas, the black Jews. Today, there are thousands of blacks in Ethiopia, India, Egypt, and Israel who claim to be the original Jews, the chosen people, facing constant ideological conflict with the white Jews. The Falashas, the black Jews, say they are the direct lineal family of Abraham, the first Jew. Funk and Wangles, Wangnails, <laughs> the Jewish encyclopedia, describes the Falashas extensively. In, nine, in, 947, in, nine, in 947 AD, excuse me, the Falashas under the leadership of Queen Judith forced the Ethiopian throne, the ruling line of Solomon and Sheba, the Falash. Uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, I read that much too fast. Let me start that again. In 947 AD, the Falashas under the leadership of Queen Judith forced from the Ethiopian throne the ruling line of Solomon and Sheba. The Falashas ruled the nation for 40 years. The late Haile Selassie self-proclaimed Self-pronounced line of Judah and King of Kings was the last of the Solomon Sheba line. I didn't know that. He was forced from the throne and died in, in house arrest in 1979. He mounted the throne in 1930. M. Fishberg in his book, North African Jews, says of the Falashas, they are the Negro type, the fuzzy hair and other identifiable factors. H. Norton among the black Jews from his book, Africa's Last Empire says, they became, to me, the records of life of a people not unlike the Falashas. Rudolf R. Winson's detailed book, From Babylon to Timbuktu, supports the position of the Falashas to his point. He says, Terah, Abraham's father, came from the land of Ur, of the Chaldees, which is located in the southern part of the Euphrates. The Chaldees were one of the many Cushite tribes, and Cushite means black, according to the Bible dictionary. Windsor goes on by saying, Cush, a son of Ham, and his descendants appeared to have spread along tracks extending from the higher Nile to the Euphrates and the Tigris rivers. History affords many connections between Babylon, Arabia, and Ethiopia. There is more than adequate evidence, Windsor continues, that 
The ancient nations of Babylon, Sumner, Akkadia, and the Chaldea were inhabited by Cushite tribes of all, on all sides of the Tigris and Euphrates River. The Ethiopia of today descended from the Oxumite Empire. Hopefully I said that right. <laughs> Dating back to 1800 years before Christ. The remaining Solomon and Sheba line list from King Ori in 478 BC to Selassie in 1930. Wow. H. Norton says, says of the Abyssinian Jews or the Falashas, my stay among them carries something of the quality of interest and excitement of the imagination with the sight of things excavated after centuries of burial. It formed a bridge from the present to the past. Biblical chronicles were no longer to be merely ancient religious history history pause what he's saying is the philosophy jews are the people that you hear about and read about in the bible who go through all of these different changes who go through all these different trials and challenges right so now it's not mystified it's not codified anymore he absolutely knows exactly who we're talking about when you read in the bible about those jewish people those were black people those were philosophers um they became the records of life of a people not unlike the Colossians. Godfrey Higgins, an English expert on antiquity, says the Chaldees were originally Negroes. I had to read that just because that's something that really points to, that's someone else other than Mr. Ronald Dalton that pointed to um, there being an existence of African heritage when we discuss Jew, Jewish people. That's important to know. Um, so, yeah. So now, as I always do, let's get to this. Let's get to this literature, right? So let's first, first things first. Let's define anti-Semitism, right? Because I, I was wondering what that was. What does it mean to be an anti-Semitic person, right? And this is what I got. So this is, um, it's a page called anti-Zionism. Is anti-Zionism always anti-Semitic? A part of Alma's guide to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. So it's. The bigger context is that Israeli-Palestinian uh, conflict, but it gets a little bit into how these terms affect and how it, you know, contributes or takes away from it, right? So anti it says anti-Semitism is much more than just hating the Jews or holding prejudice against Jews. Though it's definitely, though it's definitely that. At its core, anti-Semitism is a conspiracy theory that Jews will disproportionate power and influence over the world. And therefore, they are evil. Anti-Semitism sometimes takes the shape of reducing Jews to harmful stereotypes or thinking they are part of an evil cabal. It sometimes looks like people chanting, Jews will not replace us in the streets. And sometimes it's used to justify the murder of elderly Jews in a congregation on Shabbat. So that's what anti-Semitism is. It's this belief that Jewish people will this unstaking un power right and that they're evil so that is when people say hey you're anti-semitic that's what they do um but also it has some more things it says uh in short it's super complicated this is what anti-semitism is super complicated there are no definitive answers because nobody quite agrees but generally speaking if you're using tropes that suggest the jews of israel are bloodthirsty or murderers, that's anti-Semitic. If you're criticizing the mere existence of the state rather than its current policies, some will say that's veering to anti-Semitism. If you like to criticize Israel without being anti-Semitic, ask yourself, am I utilizing any anti-Semitic tropes like the Jews are greedy and power-hungry, the Jews are conspiring to eliminate non-Jewish peoples, 
or that the Jews have hypnotized the media? Am I criticizing a specific policy or demonizing the existence of any Jewish state in principle? Am I conflating the actions and character of an individual Jew, of individual Jews or Israelis with the action of the Israeli government? So these are these are some definitions of what what it means to be, you know, anti-Semitic. Now there's a list of when you look at the list of black people who have been disciplined or who have had to kowtow, who have had to apologize. This is the list, and here's why, right? So y'all remember the story of OJ? Y'all want to know how, this is what he said in that. Y'all want to know how Jews got control of everything in America? Credit. Remember OJ, remember Jay-Z said that in the story of OJ on 444? That 444 album was a financial, that was an album that Jay-Z really dedicated to financial literacy, right? He really did, he dropped a lot of jewels on wealth and legacy as far as, you know, family, what it means to again build wealth all of that stuff so you know he wasn't really he was really shouting the jews out if you really listen to the song story of oj y'all go back and listen to that song story of oj i mean he's man he's really uh he's really really speaking some facts and speaking some truth that we can learn from right but uh he's really shouting the jews out because he's saying listen we need to observe jews and how they have gained power of certain industries you know they have a code you know they have not only a cultural code but they have an economic code and that is the reason why they're so powerful right but nonetheless let's keep moving jay-z story of oj whoopi goldberg a few months ago maybe it was last year i can't remember but whoopi said that the holocaust was white on white crime and they about dang near they damn near fired whoopi for that y'all remember that whoopi almost was out of a job yeah she had to apologize and everything. The one that I remember before that was Nick Cannon. And he said something to the to the effect that we are the original Jews. He had Professor Griff, who was a Nation of Islam member, uh, ardent Nation of Islam uh, spokesman and, and student minister, who now some would call the leader, the Honorable, Lewis, uh, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Yeah, but they made, they took, uh, they took Nick's, Wilding out away from him. They took his cannons corner. All that was pulled from up under him. Y'all remember that? Pulled it from right up under him. And he had to come clean. He had to come and apologize. So moving forward, the baby, he left the Jews out of a song. Had to apologize for that. I guess he was he was criticizing coaches. And he said, you know what? I'm not saying anything about the, the Jewish people. They call them the untouchables, right? Because they're untouchable. But he said, I'm not saying anything about them. And someone said he was hypocritical for it and he had to apologize. So here it is. This is almost the opposite, right? The baby says, forget that. I'm not fixing to say nothing about the untouchables. You're not gonna have me out here with no deal, you know, looking like <laughs> Kanye. <laughs> Sorry. But no, he apologized nonetheless. Look that up. And this was one of my favorites, right? Ice Cube, the death certificate. That was one of my favorite albums. The album came out, I wanna say about like between 90 and 91 somewhere along there yeah the death certificate album Whew. that was a uh, that was yeah that was a part of my awakening man i love that album I, I couldn't have been no more than nine or ten but 
man, when I heard that album, I was like, this dude is serious. And who was his brother talking about? The black man was and is and he shall be. Come to find out it was Khalid Muhammad. <laughs> but I just remember how empowered I felt. And I still feel hearing those words come from that strong and mighty powerful brother. Even though he's an ancestor now, man, that was like, wow. Ooh, I know how Ali feels before his fights. But um, death certificate. So one of the most, one of the famous ones, the no Vaseline. You can't be the nigga for life crew with a white Jew telling you what to do. That was one of uh, that was one of the lyrics. You know, he, he discussed Jerry Heller. I, if you watch Straight Outta Compton, you see where they gave him a little bit of backlash behind that, right? He said, well, he did several interviews and they really tried to press him about being anti-Semitic, and he was merely discussing what was going on in the music industry, what was going on at the police department, and how Hollywood really tried to shape and form our images, you know, and they control the industry. So who else is to blame, right? And then true to the game, you know, he, he made some statements too in that song, true to the game. Uh, you know, he said, you want to be white? He said something like, what did he say? He said, you want to you wanna be like a white or a Jew, but who are they to, who are they to be equal to? Yeah, on true to the game. That's typical, that's a real, that's a, that is a really, really potent album. That's an essential album that you need to listen to. Yeah, I put it like that. Ice Cube's death certificate. Um, Khalid Muhammad, he got in a little trouble. They deemed him anti-Semitic. Just about everybody who was a spokesman in the, the, the Nation of Islam. Khalid Muhammad, absolutely, uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan, for years, he could not do any public speaking because of that anti-Semitic label that they placed on him. Malcolm was anti-Semitic. Of course, Honorable Elijah Muhammad was anti-Semitic. Um, you know, say they were anti-semitic i mean they were deemed anti-semitic they weren't anti-semitic right uh, minister malcolm donald Elijah muhammad these brothers were not anti-semitic let me rephrase that they were deemed everybody i'm mentioning was deemed i just want to make make that clear they were all deemed anti-semitic but they were they weren't really so what so this goes on like i said I mentioned martin luther king michael jackson at a point was deemed anti-semitic y'all remember when mike was telling us that he was having issues with Sony and Tommy Matola was the devil and how these people were controlling him, controlling the music. And, you know, he was a free agent and, you know, all of that, that was, uh, you know, that was geared toward, uh, you know, uh, Jewish, Jewish people. He was having issues with Jewish people. And then remember, they don't care about us. That song, they made him remove that, uh, it was Jew me, sue me, kick me, kite me, some kind of lyric that denoted or kind of made mention of Jewish people. <clears throat> they may take that up out of there. Yeah, so Mike, the King of Pop. And then you had, a lot of people don't know, Amiri Baraka, the Poet Laureate. Leroy Jones was his name back in the day. It was his uh, government name. <laughs> but uh, he had a quote where he said, look at the liberal spokesman for the Jews. Clutch his throat. Of course, they got him in a little bit of a bind, right? So, you know, and I say all these names, brothers and sisters, to let you know that this is nothing new. This is not 
really anything we have not seen before, right? You know, again, history's best qualified to reward our research. When you start researching things and you start going back into the historical documents and data and literature, you start finding out there's nothing new up under the sun. And we've seen this movie before. We know how it ends. So we should not be surprised when we see these things, right? We should not be, you know, in shock or in awe. So those are a couple of people who have been deemed anti-Semitic through the years. And there are more. There are a lot more. Especially with that definition that I gave you being so vague and so general and broad. You know, whenever things whenever things aren't specified down to the T, down to the letter, you know, that leaves room for vagueness and for generalities, you know, to come in and set up and really becomes ambiguous and cater to whomever is using it, whoever has the advantage or the leverage at that point and at that time. So, yeah, you know, this is one of those things. But, you know, I see a couple of issues with this, right? You know, that, that was the historic aspect of it. Now, the big aspect is, you know, the economic factor in all of this. You know, as I watch this thing unfold and listen to Kanye and Kyrie, it becomes apparent <clears throat> that while they might be discussing the same topic, the mentality of each of these brothers is a little bit different, right? For both of them, you know, by default, it's economic. But I think the intention with Kanye, and I might have said this, I think the intention with Kanye is economically based. Kanye is at a point where He's ready to really branch off and do for self completely. I don't believe Kanye wants anything to do with anybody that goes against, that has any type of policies or procedures or partnerships that will force him to do something that he that he sees as going against his integrity. That's what I that's what I feel. And you know, you hear a lot of God in Kanye. You know, he's mentioning God a lot more, right? But I really truly feel like his is economic based, whereas Kyrie, it's 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 again by default it's economically based because if he wants his money, he has to uh, fulfill all of those requirements that they've set out before. But I don't think that's his reason. I don't think that's his issue, right? But um, you know, it brings me to mind. Kanye said something that really riled up or triggered us. African-Americans emotionally a few years back. He said slavery was a choice. Well, guess what, brothers and sisters? He was right. Slavery is a choice. See, Kanye's delivery is always a little bit tainted and skewed, but the message oftentimes is, is pointing on. And this is what this is what I perceived him to mean, right? This is my perspective on slavery as a choice. You know, again, you have options these days. No one's prohibiting you or stopping you from involving yourself in these financial wealth seminars. No one's prohibiting you or stopping you from this financial literacy education that's all over the web. Black people are becoming so, so financially driven, right? You know, there's so many different platforms of people who are offering alternative routes than other than the mainstream people to black people. 
that are just, man, exploding onto the scene and really setting the blaze. I mean, it's almost, I said in one of my previous shows, it's an economic revolution that we are experiencing, at least that I've seen, right? We're going back to being independent and autonomous in our finances. We want to build wealth and that's almost, that's amazing. But just like a lot of other things, the resources is there. Um, the know-how is there, the, the literature is there, but the exercise or the engagement is not there. Hey, listen, no one's telling people that they don't, they can't save money, they can't steal away, as the nation puts it, they can't steal money away and start their own small business. I once heard 50 cents say, if I lost everything then tomorrow, I will be right back on the block with a peach or watermelon stand, hustling, selling my own. That really exemplifies and demonstrates his mentality as an entrepreneur and as a free thinker that wants to be that wants to do for self under any means that's where that's where i think kanye is saying listen we don't have to be enslaved to the corporate america we don't have to be enslaved to these old institutions we do not have to be enslaved to this mentality absolutely the, the bondage slavery come on we we all understand that that was something that was done with force and brutality. And even some would argue in the United States, in the Caribbean, even on the continent, there were those groups that fought, though there were those groups that resisted, right? But for the most part, that was very brutal. But the mentality of slavery, that absolutely is a choice. Because brothers and sisters, there were absolutely people during the slave antebellum period who bought themselves out of slavery, who fought themselves out of slavery, and who built themselves out of slavery. What I mean built themselves? They had a business mind, or at least they they had an industrious, resourceful mind, right? And so they looked around them, they look at what was and what and how they could affect change and how they could build for themselves. And they had little to no resources, right? The best example I can give you of little to resources making something huge is the pyramids of Giza. When you look at no calculus, how did they do that without calculators? How did they do that without forklifts? How did they do that without all the modern technology that we have today? We have a lot of information. We have a lot of know-how. We have a lot of literature, but we have little to no execution. We have little to no exercising of the things that would push us over the top, that would engage and enhance our genius level. Those activities, we don't do that stuff. You know what I mean? And we have more resources. I mean, technology is as robust as it's ever been in my life, right? And I've been here for a little bit. But it's like, man, we don't really engage it in a way that could collectively change our situations the way that we see other people doing it and changing it. So, yeah, Yay, um, Yay was absolutely on it when he said that. But I kind of knew what he was talking about. He wasn't. I don't think he was, again, he wasn't talking about the mental, I mean, the, uh, excuse me, the physical bondage, but he was absolutely dealing with the mental bondage and the mentality that it takes to remain a slave. A lot of us have that today. We don't, we don't really engage anything financially. And my thing is, if I'm not financially astute, then I have to prepare my children to be financially astute because I don't want them going through what Robert Kiyosaki calls the rat race, right? Going to college, getting a good job, working for some corporation, building that corporation for 30 years, getting a watch retired. No, I would rather you have financial 
literacy. You learn money, you learn stocks, you learn real estate. You learn all of those factors that will help you to build up your legacy and your wealth because that can help your family, your community, your nation, right? So yeah, um, another thing, ownership breeds freedom of speech. You know, a lot of people, I'm listening to like different people speak about freedom of speech. I was listening to the great <laughs> Charles Barkley. <laughs> I was listening to him yesterday and he was interviewed by Don Lemon. He was talking about how people shouldn't be able to say certain things. You know, but America is a is a nation that has all these freedoms within the Constitution. You know what I mean? So these things, we have a right to exercise them. And if we don't, what makes us any different from any of those other quote-unquote dictatorships that we you know, condemn all the time for harming their people, for stealing their people's freedoms. The only thing about freedom, these freedoms that we have, is they don't talk about the other side of it. You know, that stuff, it comes, it comes with a price. It comes at a premium. And here's the thing, you know, when I was in the military, I couldn't talk about my commander in chief, which was the, the president of the United States. Any military member who was found to be you know, speaking ill or in a negative manner about the commander in chief, about their commander in chief, you can be brought up on charges of the UCMJ, Uniform Code, the Uniform Code of Military Justice. That's the cover up. That's the uh, the laws that govern the, the Air Force and the, the Army and the Marines and the Navy and all and the Coast Guard and all that good stuff. You can be brought up on charges and you can be reprimanded, you can be punished, depending on what they want to do. But, um, I'm using that example to say this. Yeah, you can say what you want to say about anybody, but you're going to have to pay a price. And I think that, the, you know, you can tell what people are oppressed by a lot of factors. But if you look at the limited freedom of speech that people have, that'll kind of tell you where they stand in terms of ownership. Because what I found is the more ownership that a people or a person has, the more outspoken they are because they're not worried about the rug falling out. They're not super concerned about you coming in and saying, hey, you can't say that. Or, hey, why are you talking like that? No, I fund myself. Um, I build, I exercise my rights the way I feel like it because there's no puppet master who has the ability to cut my strings off at any point in time. A good example of that would be Mr. Dame Dash, now, Dame can be arrogant, Dame can be irritable, Dame can be downright contrary, <laughs> but I do respect Dame Dash. He drops a lot of good knowledge. Uh, his book, Culture Culture, is very good, but he's an example of when you are totally free, autonomous, and independent, and you can sustain with your own wealth, with your own means, you don't have to play nice. You don't have to you know, fit in. You don't have to make politically correct statements. It's not necessary. You know, it, it reminds me of this cancel culture. Brothers and sisters, that's, there's no such thing as a cancel culture. You know what it is? There are celebrities who are highly dependent upon these different ethnic groups who support them. So since they rely on them for viewership, attention, monetary uh, endorsement, you know, these companies and these shareholders have to keep their companies, have to protect them so that to ensure that, you know, these people remain, you know, compliant and comfortable giving. So you can't do or say anything that would rile them up 
anything that would cause your their brand or the brand and their corporation to come up under fire and lose that bottom line, which is the profit margin. Hey, when uh, when things happen, you know, you can be canceled if you are tied to the mainstream. That's what it's about. You know, if you have your own money, then you really can't be canceled. You can't cancel something that you don't fund and endorse, right? You can cancel something that you you pay for. If it's a bill, if you have a cable bill, if you have a, um, I don't know, a light bill, a water bill, whatever. As long as you pay that bill, absolutely, you can cancel it, right? And they can take it from you. But um, if you don't, you know, if 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 you're not paying, if they're not, if you if if there's no money traded, right? Then there is no cancellation, right? If you don't, you know, my my children can't cancel a bill. They can't say, Dad, I want to cancel this bill that y'all are paying. No, they can't do that because there's no money there. You know what I mean? Like they don't put any money toward it. So when you fund yourself, that autonomy affords you this or it insulates you from this whole idea of cancellation. That's bullshit. This, you know, this cancel culture. You cancel who you've created. Anybody who they've canceled, I guarantee you, they've created and they've erected them to that position. So that's why it's important that we be ourselves, accept our own and be ourselves and come together financially. Because if we have our own, you know, economic uh, infrastructure, then it doesn't matter who cancels us. Again, that's what caused the minister, Louis Farrakhan, to be able to survive all those years when he was denied the ability to make a a living by going to college campuses, speaking on different platforms. He could have really been spreading that message and propagating that truth, that knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that he was given. He couldn't do that. However, he had his own, excuse me, he had his own organization that was supporting him. And they it was regenerative. The aid, not even the aid, just the the fiscal support and that's that's really what you want right that's what communities should strive for because at any point in time another culture from an external culture could justly or unjustly try to place sanctions on you and then what would you do could you sustain or would you have to buckle and fold right so yeah ownership you know it breeds that freedom of not only freedom of speech but freedom of a lot of things it gives you all kind of freedoms so so yeah but the next issue that i want to speak about with this thing is the social aspect right let me say this i might have mentioned this before the, the hebrews the negroes that film came out in 2018 it's not new so it's been around right um really you know when I think of that, when I think of this social thing, you know, it's really Kyrie trying to, to get knowledge itself. Again, Kyrie more so than Kanye, right? I was listening to Minister Farrakhan. He came out and spoke about one of my sisters sent me the talk from the from the minister speaking about, you know, Kyrie and Ye. And I heard a couple of different uh, recurring phrases one of them was standing on principle right Kyrie is trying to stand on principle he's not trying to hurt anybody and you know in standing on principle well having knowledge of self 
and standing on principle, you know, they go hand in hand because typically when people get knowledge of self, it becomes a little bit easier to stand on your principles, right? Or at least it should. The deeper you get into that or the more you exercise um, uh, discovering self and the knowledge that comes with that. So, you know, Kyrie is really trying to stand on principle. And I heard Dr. Sadie say, when you go against the system, you got to be ready, Jack. You know, you have to be ready. I think that everybody, when you do your history, when you do your do the knowledge on people who have gone against, it's cost them greatly. It's crossed them immensely. Um, but I think he's at a level, <laughs> he's at a level where he can pay for his knowledge itself. He can afford it. He can afford to be blackballed. He can afford to be, you know, ostracized in a financial sense. You know, Kyrie, let me say this. Kyrie has a, a wonderful opportunity, right? <laughs> if he was to step away from basketball right now today, his popularity and his sympathy, the amount of sympathizers he has, he could start his own podcast. He could start his own platform. He could do a multitude of things. He could become an advisor to other athletes. I mean, it's just a multitude of things that he could do to step away from, you know, that situation. And also he has the means. I'm pretty sure he seems like a pretty intelligent young brother. So I'm pretty sure he has a good bit of reserve, money reserve. You know, he could buy businesses who say, I mean, that's not to say he doesn't already have them, but he can invest more in business. He does not need that corporate backing. He does not need the NBA the way he might think. I understand we don't have, you know, the the, the players don't have a league to, of their own and they're not unified, you know, against the NBA where they can say, you know what, you can't do this to our brother, but I still think he's made enough that he can step away comfortably and still live a luxurious life to take care of him and his family. So, but yeah, I think he, he's earned enough where he can stand on his principles, you know, and, uh, you know, Kyrie's really been on a quest for self ever since the COVID vaccination, right? You know, they really didn't like, that's another issue, right? They really had, they've really had it out for Kyrie ever since he stood up and refused to take the COVID vaccine. That's when I saw it starting. That's when I saw, I heard all this rhetoric, how he's this and he's that, and he's a cancer and he's not compliant, all these things with COVID. So now he's doing this and they want to retrograde the punishment. You know, that, that happens. They, they do that with, with us, right? They do that with the black man, woman, and child. They will retrograde that punishment. Look at OJ. You know, when you watch different OJ documentaries, OJ, the lawyer, the, the not, of course, Johnny Carpenter, rest his soul, he's deceased, he's an ancestor now, but there was another brother, I watched that OJ, that series that came on, and there was another brother, and he was, they asked him, they interviewed him, and they said, do you think OJ should have gotten what he got the nine years for, you know, stealing his stuff back? He said, nah, man, that doesn't, that doesn't warrant a sentence of nine years. And then they waited, almost like the anniversary of, you know, the not guilty verdict in his trial. So, you know, they were, uh, they were, you know, they were trying to get back. They were retrograding that punishment, but it's just odd, man. Have y'all thought about this? And again, this is something that I was listening to and that I heard. We saw 
Draymond Green punch Jordan Poole in a video, right? We saw him buckle that man's knees for no reason, right? For no good reason. No suspension. Or at least nothing severe. Nothing severe. Let me say that. Nothing severe at all. Maybe they gave him a... You know what? Let's... Let's see how they handled that. I believe they... If anything, they gave Draymond... Like a one... A one-game suspension. Something like that. Okay. Forgive me. Uh, Draymond was fine, but he wasn't suspended. So we have visual tape. We have actual evidence where you could see this man assaulting his teammate to the degree where this guy went to the ground. Nothing, a fine. And here it is on the other hand, you know, you have a brother who sent out a tweet and that tweet caused him to get a five game suspension. No, excuse me. They elevated it to indefinite suspension until he complies with all these six requirements they've put out before him. You know, it's a little bit imbalanced. It's unbalanced. And that's very unbalanced. That's very unbalanced. It's indicative of where we are socially and economically. You know, the fact that they can do that to us. Economically, we are tied to them for our lifeline. That is why we have to buckle and fold for these whimsical and nonsensical requirements and, you know, things that they put before us. And then, you know, socially, it's like, man, we uh we suffer as well and you know we're <laughs> we're not a monolith where we should be monolithic we should come together collectively when it comes to our brothers and sisters and children we should after there should be certain things that are off limits but it's not so yeah wow but um another thing is the code for black people it's, it should be necessary you know a code would only cultivate the bond and the fabric of our culture while also solidifying our economic infrastructure. You know, <laughs> the untouchable community has a code. You know, that's why they're able to, you know, get Kanye to quote unquote cancel. That's why they're able to have people pull out in the manner that they do because as soon as you say something against that community, it's like, oh, we have to retaliate. We have to penalize them simply by excommunicating whatever whatever type of engagement that we have or whatever type of relationship whether it be personal or professional it has to be terminated that's a code whether we like it or not that is a code i just you know it would be nice if we had a code like that right it would be very nice if we had a code where when things happen hey you know we form up like the transformers and take care of it because that's how you protect your your members of your your ethnic group and your cultural group, you know. So, um, another thing: institutional control creates and cultivates freedom. Institutional control creates and cultivates freedom. What do I mean by that? We need to be building institutions. You know, on some levels, I can't feel sorry for these professional athletes who are at the whim of 
the owners and what they want to do. It's kind of like that for everybody. In fact, it is. Man, if if you don't like what you're doing and where you're at, then you might want to leave and start your own. That's the answer, really. You know, you might want to leave and start your own because <laughs> we have trillions of dollars in the black community. You know, why is it that we still are slow to build, you know, organizations and, you know, institutions that will safeguard and insulate us from these minute and petty issues? You know, why don't we? We have the means. Again, Ice Cube is doing the big three and it's doing wonderfully. And I think it's only going to get better. So why can't a few players get together and say, hey, we're going to uh, we're going to build something. We're going to start our own league this way. I remember a while back, LeBron, everybody was they They switched the, the NBA. I think they tried to switch the requirements for agents because Rich Paul, I think he maybe didn't graduate from college or something like that. And everybody was pissed. They're like, oh man, why are they, why are they doing that? You know, they were doing that because they could. They control the, the the league, so they can move the goalpost towards you or away from you as they see fit. And that's cool, man. That's really, you know, you have to accept how a person runs whatever they own. You know, it's better to be thought a tyrant in your own house than a servant in the house of another. You know, just because people think you might be doing something bad to the people that you're responsible for. That doesn't mean you're necessarily doing it. And hey, everyone has the right to run their organizations or their institutions the way they see fit to run it. You know, um, so I'm always saying, yep, I get it. That's their policies and procedures. Just don't have anything to say when we build our own and we have our own set of policies and procedures. That's the point I'm trying to get it. You know, we can't turn this man or this woman's business around and then expect them not to try to do the same to ours. You know, it's like, okay, that's cool, that's how we plan. Then let's build our own. Let's build our own. Not just so we can, you know, mimic their behavior, but so that we can, you know, get freedom, justice, and equality, right? So a couple of questions I wanna ask. How many of you are going to not support the NBA, Adidas, and Wells Fargo? You know, I hear people talking about how wrong this is, but if you really think it's wrong, put your money where your, where your mouth is. Don't buy no more Adidas. Don't support the NBA. Pull your money from Wells Fargo. Get on that waiting list with Greenwood. Go to a black bank and support a black bank. They're going to give you better rates. They're going to give you small business loans anyway before the white banks would. This is just facts. You know, I've seen where... One of the banks was starting up an initiative where, you know, they were going to just forego the closing costs. And I think, you know, give black people, you know, homes, new homes. It was a bill for black people to capitalize on new homes. Hey, um, are we ready to really do what it takes in order to build ourselves? Or are we just giving lip service? What I mean is, are you willing to... If you don't like anything that happened to either of our brothers, Kanye or Kyrie, are you willing to stand up and support them and not utilize or not patronize those institutions or those corporations 
those brands that decided to sever ties with them, right? I mean, if they're saying we're going to sell Yeezys, but we're going to call them something different, then why do we even want to buy them? We shouldn't want to buy them, right? Us purchasing stuff like that should be tightly, you know, it should be tied to our culture. You know, we what I mean is we support the Yeezys because we love Kanye and Kanye supports us. That's it. As soon as this corporation don't support Kanye no more, they will leave them shoes where they are. I mean, granted that, you know, we have to ensure that Kanye is still in support of us, right? Kanye has to stay on code, but absolutely when the corporation or the big box or the institution shows us that they have totally discarded our cultural connection, right? When they've showed us that our cultural connection is no longer relevant in the picture or they're done with them, then we should be done with them. Then we have no mutual allies or any more mutual agreements because by us doing business with Kanye in that sense it's almost as though it is a form of group economics because when we put the money back with Kanye granted Kanye is putting the money back with us that's a form of circulating that dollar but when Kanye disappears where's that middle man how's the dollar being circulated it's not anymore so so yeah how committed are we to our culture and group economics you know are we is everybody willing to you know stop purchasing different things and that that draws a bigger question right how committed are we to black business right in everyday life you know does something of this magnitude have to happen for us to consider maybe i need to be investing a little bit more time into finding more black businesses that offer the products and services that i require or that i desire you know but uh yeah kanye is uh you know it's uh he's done with all of those institutions all those brands all those corporations so what does that leave us what does that leave us if we really think that they're wrong do we think they're wrong enough that we'll step away from them also uh, another question you know why don't we have other professional leads controlled and created by black people you know don sterling made a comment about magic johnson I remember when Matt, when Don Sterling got in trouble with that girl, you know, she recorded him and, you know, he made all those racial epithets and slurs. They interviewed Don Sterling and um, he made some interesting statements. He said, uh, you know, they were talking about Magic Johnson and he said, you know, this dude made love to every woman that he, you know, that he ran into, you know, when he was playing in the NBA, right? That's something that we shouldn't celebrate. He should go to the back. But, you know, he said, um, what has he done for black people? Like, how has he set up? What has he, what has he really done to help, right? How has he, what has he done to help black people in the manner in which the untouchable community has done? Like, he has absolutely opened up magic theaters, Starbucks. There are different venues. I'm sorry, there are uh, different different um, ventures, the different ventures that he is absolutely involved and created that have 
been beneficial to the black community. That's that's just a fact. But what kind of rock solid institution has he created? Has he created the Magic Bank? Has he created the Magic Media Center? You know, has he created an institution that is for black people that can advance us, us and solely us, right? Something that will be a stepping stone into nationhood or at least into autonomy or institutional control where, you know, we can begin to counter everything that we learn in the mainstream or counter, not even counter, just promote more financial minded because he's pretty business savvy. I would say, you know, Magic Johnson has been, he's been a person that if you're talking about business, man, he's probably, he's probably just as savvy in business as he was on the court. That's just how good he is. But I mean, mentioning what Don Sterling said, not because, because I mean, you can judge the man for what he did, you know, sexually, that's on you. But I'm talking about business and his wealth and what he's done, you know, from a fiscal perspective, from an economic perspective. Don Sterling had a point. He went on to say a lot of uh, wealthier black celebrities, they just want to, you know, they want to be seen. They want to be on the golf course. They want to you know be be where he's at in the spaces that he's at and i said wow is that really it how how do we know that how do we know that that's true or untrue okay well everybody complain let's let's see about that everybody complains about there being a lack of ownership in the nfl you know i know puff uh not not the nfl the nfl the nba all the leagues let me say all the leagues but i remember puffy at one point was trying to buy i think it was north carolina the panthers he was trying to buy that was the only thing I heard about that, you know. Um, I think Shaq talked about buying. Michael Jordan wanted to buy the Bobcats at one point by himself, and they told him no. My point for mentioning all these people is we have enough money. We have trillions of dollars that flows through our community. We have a few millionaires. We have a few high-level celebrities that if they put their monies together, right, if people, not even just them, just people of wealth, if 30 of us put our money together and decided to, you know, pick an amount that we were going to donate every month, then we could we could knock a lot of these mountains down in the molehills. So my question is, why aren't we doing that? Not just the celebrities. I mean, they have more capital, but why aren't we all doing that, though? Because then we could do what Don Sterling had mentioned. I didn't agree. I didn't agree. I didn't agree with everything that he said, but he made some valid points. In other words, why aren't we? Why aren't you guys more concerned about your group's advancement economically, right? Instead of, you know, the luxurious, the the prongs, the throngs of luxury that come with having, you know, wealth. You know, you should be looking to secure, you know, your ethnic group because that's going to insulate them in the future. You know, there's a lot of times we start over, but, man, we have the means on, on all levels. We have the means. You know, it doesn't take much to start an investment club. And if you have, if you're high earning, and if you are, you know, you get a six-figure salary, then, you know, you, if you have a network, a network of other people, y'all can really do a whole bunch, you know. Um, again, I just came back from the All Black National Convention. You know, you wonder, though, how much did Dr. Boyce Watkins pay for that hotel? You know, how much did he pay to rent it out? Did he do it by himself? Who was it? Who are his endorsers? You know, that's a group effort. I believe that's a group effort. So, 
we have the potential to do things like that, but why aren't we doing it? That's my question. You know, why don't we, why don't we come together? Why don't we consolidate our resources, our social capital, you know, and our capital so that we can erect something? Because when we do that, we won't, we won't be seeing, you know, we'll cease to see all of these injustices, right? Uh, that we, that we witness, you know, we can't even, you can't speak the truth. You know, you're being, Kyrie is being ostracized for speaking the, the truth. You know, he's being, you know, a lot of people have said he's just a modern case of buck breaking. That's what Tariq Nasheed says. You know, people are saying he's being lynched, you know, right before our eyes. And, you know, yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. You know, but like my, like my brother always says, my brother Leonard, you know, the weak, the strong do what they want. The weak do what they have to, you know, and so we're people that's weak financially and we're weak socially so we're made to do these things um you know it, it um it's really disheartening man it's, it's super disheartening what's going on let me let me say this you know this is nothing new it's nothing new that we're experiencing you know i heard kanye not kanye i heard Kyrie say this this uh this generation is going to be the generation that's going to change things. And I hear the Nation of Islam say the Joshua generation. And I wonder to myself, like, are we really? I don't I don't know how optimistic I am with that, because if we are to be that Joshua generation, if we are to be that generation, if these young people are to be the generation to change things, then they're going to have to recalibrate their minds to doing something different, to building more so to building and uniting, you know, to becoming sharp with certain skills. And financial literacy is one of those skills. You know, the community, first and foremost, is, is something that needs to be built up, you know. Uh, young men for war, old men for, for, uh, for counsel. It's gonna take the gap being bridged between the old and the young. Listen, we need to talk. There has to be some kind of standard, a code, some kind of discipline. You know what they had in years past even before the 1960s right you go to the beginning of the 1900s what was our code when we were building and erecting towns that's the mindset that we need listen everything that we do is for the better and there are enclaves of people that have that there are groups that absolutely are doing that but i don't know if it's being done why it's uh widely enough for me to to believe that this generation is coming is going to change things, right? Because what I see by and large is <laughs> I see us buying into the liberal philosophies of black feminism and, you know, uh, the LGBTQ, and we're still arguing over Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker, and Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams. You know, people are still concerned about Trump running as if it would make a difference, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if we are. If we are, I think we absolutely have the potential to be, but it's going to take some extreme focus and reimagining of values. Not even reimagining, rearranging of values, because 
at the end of the day, y'all, what's going on with Kyrie and Kanye is this. With Kyrie, he's an employee. It's wrong what they're doing, absolutely. But you can never walk into another person's house and start rearranging furniture. It don't work like that. It doesn't work. And I mention all those names because we've seen how this happens throughout history. We know that when we tell the truth, you know, we better be ready for the repercussions. Whether it's symbolic, whether it's, you know, flat out with speech, there, there, there is, and safe to say, there will always be, you know, some kickback from the mainstream. So, you know, it's just a flex of power. You know, no one said anything yet. They, they have the petition with Jeff Bezos, but he hadn't taken it down. So, you know, Kyrie is just a low-hanging fruit. You know, our community, we don't defend ourselves. We're not united. We have no code. So we are weak. If we were in the jungle, we are that we are that deer. We are that uh, gazelle that's running with a limp. And the lion looks for the weak gazelle. He don't look for the one that's strong. And we are absolutely not a strong community like that. And so, you know, it's unfortunate, but Kyrie is going <laughs> to... He's going to have to conform. He has no other choice. He has nothing to fall back on. He's in a league that he does not control, own, or operate. He has to conform to their policies, procedures, and standards, regardless of how fair or unfair they are. That's why the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, separate or suffer the consequences. So, yeah, brothers and sisters, if you, if you don't want to continue to see these Kyrie-esque, and you've seen it. I named all the people you've seen it before. If you don't want to continue to see this, then what are you going to do? What are you prepared to do? How are you preparing to step away and separate? How are you preparing to construct your institutions? If not, <laughs> just get ready because it's going to continue to happen at the highest level. And, you know, in those hyenas and jackals, what people call coons and naysay Negro naysayers, people on the sideline who can't believe we, we would have the audacity to go against the, you know, the machine or the corporation or the, or the mainstream. These are people who cling to them, to their monies too. They cling to their dollars too. Oftentimes they're puppets. They have no say so in the matter. If they want to keep their job, they better act as though they're appalled and by you exercising your freedom of speech. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, with Kanye, hey, he's speaking some truth, but I think I, I couldn't stand behind Kanye because Kanye is, again, he's, he's firing everybody's firing off. So, you know, um, he's telling the truth, I believe, though. You know, it's, it's, it's documented who runs the industry, you know, the politics. It's all there. If you just research it. But, um, but yeah, get ready for more. Get ready for more. As long as we're in this financial situation that we're in, get ready for some more, y'all. This is, uh, we've seen it already. We've seen it so many times. So let's not act like this is something new because it's not, you know. Man, I hope y'all learned something today. I hope that my thoughts were clear and concise enough where y'all could take something to think about. You can take something to build upon and move forward. Um, yeah, those articles are all out there. You can look them up for yourself. You can, you know, read them. You can digest them, investigate them. 
you know um, yeah hit me up also if you guys you know i have my merch it's, it's hoodie season so i'm selling my hoodies still selling my t-shirts still trying to get out there um the evil logic that's the movement that's the, the evil logic that's a uh, part of the brand you know cerebro depot is uh is the business but uh leave with logic is the brand on it so amen in the words of brother malcolm may we meet when we all meet in the light of understanding a hey, peace and love y'all thanks for listening <laughs>